I've given you some handouts. Now, um, <clears throat> if you are here last week, you already got the one that says, Lord, teach us to pray, but I give you another one. Um, there's some room that you might want to make a few notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to kind of move along here pretty quickly. But I, I, knew that, um, I knew that what I had to give you today, uh, what it was, and I was just thinking, I just want to make sure we had a chance to get prayer. And I was trying to figure out how to, like, like, like my opening after our first song, I just want to welcome that. So I, I'm actually very grateful that my wife stole a lot of my time away from me. No, I'm kidding. Um, because uh, I just, I mean, I mean to tell you, I think the word, there needs to be a, a primacy of the word of God, right? Um, people say, well, we had a great service. The pastor didn't, didn't even get to preach. I, I get what you're saying, but um, don't underestimate what God can do through the message as well, right? And so we, um, we, we want that. But I, I definitely, um, today, I, I wanted to figure out how to just get an opportunity to people to respond, to get prayer, whatever, so God could meet you today. Because today is like part two. This is, I'm <clears throat> very much in a... That got my teacher hat on this morning, um, and I don't know. Maybe these things are going to become more of a habit. I, I, you know, to be able to give you something to take home, to reflect on the main points of whatever were presented, it really means a lot. I think. It, um, I don't know if you did you get this one too from Christmas Eve Sunday, where it talks about at top says, "Now you know, let the truth set you free." You got that one. There's more. Okay, great. Thanks, Beth. Um, and I mean, this is like, you don't, I tell you, you don't need to just have faith that Jesus lives and and died and rose again. You don't, there's plenty of evidence. And, um, and so that's, uh, this one from Christmas that talks about the odds of somebody fulfilling just eight of these prophecies of the over 300, uh, it's impossible. Um, the teaches to pray when I mentioned to you, that's for today as well. Uh, talking about prayer. This other one, though, defending the faith. This is from Tuesday, our Tuesday study. Maybe a wet your whistle to want you to you want to come and join us. Um, but it's about answering these uh, these uh, very deceptive statements that are out there. Um, say like there is no truth. There is no absolute truth. There is not the truth. Only my truth. Or I have my truth. You you have you have your truth. Or that truth that's true for you, but not for me. I mean, we've heard those, right? Well, how about how about if you had a really good way to go back at it? And that's what our lesson was about. And everybody was like, "Oh, we got to get this down." So so I just went back and 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 these are just some really good good points. Just familiarize yourself with these things so that. How many times have you ended a conversation with somebody disagreed and said, well, you know, that's, you have your truth, I have my truth. And that, that's a, a, an attempt to sign off on the, on the discussion and have the last word. And you need to be able to know what to say. It says, you, you can't have your, your truth any more than you can have your own math. Right? And, and begin to, to, to challenge these kind of things, that to, to, um, uh, this idea of logic, uh, thinking logically, critically thinking, thinking things through. Um, that's what that's about. That's just a bonus. Um, 
And then, uh, so I, I just want to be able to give those to you. What we'll have more available, but we need to really get into this because I got to, we got a we got a rock and roll here. So let's pray, Father. We just thank you, God, for today. We thank you, Lord, um, for what you've done in people's today. Lord, it's it's as we say, we we mean it. It it is about your presence. It's about what you do. Ultimately, it's it's only about what you really do. That's eternal. And, um, and demonstrate your power. And, and boy, so much here has already uh, validated what, I'm, what, what I have here to share. I just pray, God, you would um, just alive and awake, quicken this to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. <clears throat> okay. All right. So, as you know, this was, this, this was a... Um, uh, actually, an assignment uh, in one of my classes, like I told you, this is part two of a teaching of my, actually was uh, part of my final uh, uh, project, but um, I have done a lot to, to change and stuff, and besides, it was really good because um, there's so much truth in there. So let's look at this real quickly. Last week, remember, we talked about prayer. We, we kind of took a step back from the Lord's Prayer and talked about it, right? And and so there are three main things that that's in on your sheet there that from last week that that prayer is 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 to communicate with God based on relationship right it's a communication thing it's a conversation it's it's like if you ever been sit down with somebody and one person does all the talking we're not we're not in a relationship we're in a we're here at a lecture session and so prayer is that secondly uh <clears throat> the two main elements of of prayer are believing and unceasing prayer Believing prayer, you believe, and then you don't stop. And um, Hebrews eleven six, for it is without faith, uh, uh, without faith you cannot be- you cannot please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists, right, and that He rewards those. So you must believe two things: He exists and He rewards. And who's he, he rewards those who earnestly seek Him, who keep seeking Him. This un ceasing prayer. And then the third point, though, builds on that, that, that this believing and unceasing prayer is really the byproduct of, of, of knowing what it means to abide in Christ in relationship. In John fifteen five, I could probably stop here and just build on that and be done for the day. Um, and we did, I spoke a lot about that last week. This idea that, that prayer becomes an idea of abiding in a relationship where you sit there to communicate that you believe the one who loves you and can, can meet your need and, and you're not going to hold back at the same time you're, you're recognizing it's time to, to, to spend this time with him. You're just in time, Casey. We just started this. All right. Make sure you, do, you get some of these handouts before I... Before you go. All right, so this quickly. Um, there's two accounts of the Lord's Prayer. One's in Luke 11 and one's in Mark 6. And you'll notice they're in very different uh, situations. Um, the disciples asked Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. Remember, his disciples didn't ask for information about prayer, but teach us to pray. And that's, that's pretty significant. Matthew's account, he's in the Sermon on the Mount. He's on the, the mountainside, and there's thousands of people, and he's preaching to the crowds. Um, and, um, and so clearly there's definitely at least two times that Jesus spoke to uh, his disciples about, about prayer. 
And so uh, we talk about these critical parameters uh, when we approach the Father. I can just kind of go blow through these real quick. If you look in Matthew 6, get your Bible out, uh, or the one under the chair in front of you if it's there. We, you'll want that. Matthew 6, verse 5. And just, yeah, let's, let's do this. It says, and when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they long to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street, street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Uh, he says, don't pray like the who. Don't be like what? Hypocrites, right. Uh, <clears throat> we have an idea of a hypocrite, sir, but the, the, the Greek word is hypocrisy. Uh, Hippocrates, and it's a Greek word, it's a theatrical word. It's actually the, the, the term for an actor or a stage player or a pretender. Honestly, I think to try and humble these uh, uh, TV movie celebrities who, who think that because they're wealthy and popular that they know everything and can look down on us, we really should be calling them what they really are. They're pretenders. They get paid millions of dollars to pretend like to be somebody they're not. How about we choose to live our lives in front of others as we are, for free, right? Okay, all right. So, but that, that's the word, the per, per, someone who plays the part. And the, so, like, unlike in show business, Jesus says the play, the, the show, must not go on. Amen? All right, so it's, it's, uh, it's that. Secondly, prayer is a, a special place, Right. Uh, look at verse six. You've got there. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Right. Uh, 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 Andrew Murray, which we quote several times, um, um, he says um, uh, that, that Jesus wants us uh See, do I have a next? Yeah, Jesus wants each one to choose for himself a, a fixed spot where you can daily meet him. That spot can be anywhere, may change from day to day, but that secret place uh, there must uh, there there must be where Jesus comes to teach us to pray. And I want you to catch that last line. But even when we're in that place of prayer, wherever it might be, say, Jesus, would you teach me to pray? How should I pray today? What should I even pray about? But even more so, what, what does it mean? And in this context, as I talked last week, about what it, what it looks like in prayer to be abiding with Christ in that kind of relationship. And then, and then like you saw back here, this thing, that really to, be, to, to pray to the unseen one, we must become unseen. Right? Uh, and, and also that, that Jesus makes it clear that our, our unseen prayer life should dwarf our, our public prayer life. Right? Let, let it be, right? So, and also the thing about being in that place is we aren't, you're not seeking people's approval anymore, right? You, I don't know about you, when I f- was a young Christian and I had never prayed, you know, and the, the group of people are praying, I'd never prayed out loud, not with other people. Because you get, you get nervous. I mean, what if I don't say it right? That person prays so marvelous and I, what if I like, stumble through the words, you know? I have people who have been Christian for many, many years, and they, they don't want to pray around other people because they're, they're afraid. I think, come on, we got to just do it, right? Um, uh, but when you're in that, 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 you're, that secret place, whatever it might be, uh, where you can be alone, it's safe, you, you can be vulnerable, you can be honest, and this is what it should be. Thirdly, 
A prayer is not a plethora of these mindless repetition of words and sayings and even prayers. Verse 7, he says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. That's the key word, right? Babbling. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That word uh, uh, babbling, of the, the Greek word is batalageo, um, it means just to repeat that same thing over and over again. Um, like chants or mantras or phrases or memorized prayers. It's the, the repetition is, is the focus. Like, like the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel with, when it, the big showdown between Elijah and the foreigner prophets of Baal called down fire from heaven and the, he let, you guys can go first, Elijah said. And they spent the entire day re- repeating these, these mindless babbling, uh, thinking that somehow they were gonna coax, uh, their, their so-called God into doing it. And, um, but honestly, any, anybody who think, tries to teach you that if, here, just, just repeat this prayer over and over again. When we moved to New England, I've told this before, we moved to New England, I remember looking in the little nickel ad, you know, those, those, you know, like the huckleberries and all those things. And I found in there, and we're in New England now, this, um, this, this ad says, if you will, Here's a prayer to St. Jude. If you will pray this novena to St. Jude, this specific prayer, nine times in a row, nine, ti- nine days in a row, you will, you will have your request answered. And can I tell you, let's just be honest, that is more like witchcraft than Christianity. Right? That is babbling. That is idolatry in a sense, as well as praying to anybody besides Jesus or God. Think that somehow your prayers can get, get, get answered better by praying to Mary or one of the saints, one of the, one of the Christians who have died. That is not God. We, and so, but that, uh, anyway. So, also, the point is that the Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that what He just said? The Father knows what you need, verse 8, before you ask Him. Uh, and so this mindless repetition as if, as if God doesn't know, He might not answer, so you gotta pummel Him with this, Irritating, you know, repetition, almost like that, like that woman, um, Jesus teaching about perseverance, that, uh, that, that, the, the woman and the ungodly judge and, uh, but the, somehow that God, we have to just pummel them with these, these words or we can magically, in a sense, do it. The point Jesus is making is, is about us having faith in God's love and care for you. Right? Bring your request. He, you know, he says to do that. But um, have, have confidence. And, and one, as Andrew Murray again, he says, if there's a delay, we say, my father sees. Notice, I know this. I know he hears. I know, and I know he knows. And so I, we know that we have the petitions we've already asked him, like Jesus says in, in Mark's gospel. When you pray, believe you already received it. And, and you will. Um, there needs to be this, a sign hung over the, the door of, of wherever it is you're going go to go to pray, read your Bible. And um, in fact, this, if there's anything, there's some lines on that half sheet of paper I gave you um, for the, the prayer thing underneath that uh, on the back. You might want to write this. My father already knows what I need. That as we go to that place of prayer... Maybe the first thing, could we get, I don't know, get in the habit of saying, before you make your request, my father already knows what I need. Now, he wants me to come to him, 
But even understanding that, that this whole concept of prayer will take on a whole new characteristic if I already know he knows what I need. He wants me to come to him. He says, ask and you receive. Seek, you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. He asks us and calls us, even commands us to come to him. But I'm coming to him. He already knows what I need. In fact, he knows what I need better than I do. Right? And so I will, even the way that I'm going to approach him is going to be, be, um, um, There'll be faith. There'll be more confidence. And I won't, won't be this, this... I mean, sometimes... I know I'm probably only one of a few people who've ever done this, but my prayer times have sometimes been more about whining about how things are bad instead of believing, you know, an unceasing faith-filled prayer in a God who makes, makes a way. Right? Um, and if we step in there... Uh, with this understanding, put that maybe on your devotional, put that on a, your prayer list, or put that little sticker in your Bible, or you know something that could remind us that that a father already knows what we need. Okay, just real quick. Um, I just just real quick. The question is: Is the Lord's prayer an outline or a prayer? Uh, in Matthew's version, he, he, the, the way that Jesus is recorded is saying the Greek words uh, really intend in suggest that Jesus is saying as he's preaching to the crowds, "Why don't you pray in this manner?" And, and the way, in the manner in which I'm about to show you, um, this is how you should should pray. And Ian Bounds, um, he he uh, just said how the, the, this is the perfect prayer of form to be followed, and yet one filled in and enlarged that you might just decide when we pray. If, if you're not sure how to pray or how to start, just start praying the Lord's Prayer. And then let each phrase pa- pause and think, so what does this say? And then pray, you know, our Father, I thank you that you're my Father, you know. Um, and uh, hallowed be in me, you know. Uh, each one just... Each one can can begin to to stimulate thoughts of and and, and things of prayer that you have uh, in your life, and you can you can let that be a, a, a catalyst to start you in your prayer. Um, but also in Luke's, it says, "When you pray, say the Greek word lego." Not to be not to be confused with those little blocks that stick together. Um, but he says that he says, "When you pray, say." It's, it's a much stronger way, and he's saying, say these words. Um, and uh, um, let me just hold on, Craig, for a minute. Um, and uh, so basically, this, this is the difference here. You've got Jesus and Matthew speaking to the crowds, and he's, he's telling them, speak. Here's the manner in which you should pray, just kind of the, as an outline. But... You understand, Jesus, in, in the Jewish religious culture that he was in, he, uh, he was their rabbi. And so the Talmud would talk about this, the, the teachings uh, about um, various things about Judaism from the first through the sixth centuries that the Talmud would talk about. And, and that it's full of, of prayers that rabbis had taught their disciples. It was common for a rabbi to teach his disciples a, some kind of short prayer that, that would get something that they could pray after the morning sacrifice, the evening sacrifice, and at the end of the day. That was just kind of like their specific prayer. Um, and so, and so what, you, what you have here, you have Jesus in Luke 11 
as a rabbi to his disciples, gives, gives them the, his rabbinic prayer for his disciples. But in Matthew 6, 6, when he's speaking to the crowds, he gives them more of a, a form and stuff like that. So uh, for whatever that's worth, it's, that's, that's that. Craig Keener uh, makes, um, sorry, uh, then don't do this, just jumping ahead. I get so, so excited. Interesting that Craig Keener, he's, he's a wonderful man of God, uh, as I understand, uh, probably the foremost New Testament scholar uh, especially regarding the culture, um, um, he's the the one who did the notes for the uh, cultural cultural background study Bible that I have in the new new revised standard version, uh, marvelous uh, InterVarsity Press guy. But he says this that Jesus echoes a prayer regularly cited by Jewish people, a prayer known as the Kaddish. It begins with this. Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world that he created according to his will. May he cause his kingdom to reign. Isn't that interesting? Anyways, no charge for that. Um, so, so as we say, they both. All right, so let's, let's quickly look through this. Can, were you going to hold in with me? You're not going to. It's too cold out there. You want to stay in here where it's warm. Okay. Okay, first of all. And I, I can't emphasize this one word, our, more than, more, except there's one, the next phrase, I, I can. Our. I've said this before, you've been here many times, you've heard me re- re- comment on this, so uh, just repetition is the, is the mother of all learning, right? But our Father, Jesus did not say to pray, my Father. He said, our Father. And that's very significant because in the Jewish faith, the Israel's, their national covenant relationship with God was of first importance. Not an individual relation thing, but as a nation. They understood that, that he's the father, their father, right? If it wasn't for God, they wouldn't exist, right? And so he is our father. And there's this, this corporate um, um, idea of that that uh we he's ours together and and therefore the church it's just like the church uh that we are this corporate relationship we have with god as well that we are to be a body we are like a choir like a symphony and but i tell you in america uh, just it's the frustration of so many um pastors and and other other believers too that that that's just we don't get this. We think, I just come hop into church, maybe I'll get a few little prayers, get, get, get little things that I want, and then I go off and I do my own life. And, but we need each other. Amen? We are a body. We are like a symphony. You know, you, you could think about a, a choir in that sense. You could have somebody who's, you could maybe have somebody uh, uh, who sing, uh, usually a soprano, who, lead, who sings the melody, right? And it'd probably be, be beautiful. When I was in high school, uh, we did, um, I was in choir, and we did one specific, really m- majestic song, eight-part harmony. Uh, we had two, you know, first soprano, second, first alto, baritone, uh, first and second tenor, baritone, and bass. I was a barely a tone. That's what I was. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't quite the bass, but I was a baritone. And so this is the difference. You have the... the uh, the soloist singing the melody is beautiful. But you then add all those other seven parts of, of, of harmony. 
you go from beautiful to majestic. Right? I, I believe that that's what's waiting uh, for the body of Christ. If we can truly come together, we don't have to have a one world church. We don't have to do that. But if, if we learn this principle of he's our father, us, together. Amen? Um, and make it, well, let me, I'll get ahead of myself, which is not uncommon. Um, of course, our father, remember, he's, he, he didn't say pray for, he's your king, he's your lord, he's your master, he's your creator, and he's all those things. God is all those things. But as I've, I've also mentioned this many times too, so I won't dwell on it a lot, but he's our father. The most, the one relationship that um, is probably the most intimate and the one relationship that will, pro- that will never break as far as the father's love for his children never ends, right? A mother's love for her, ch- her children never ends. Amen? Uh, and so, and likewise, the Jewish culture saw that the father was normally someone who was loving, trustworthy, someone that they could depend on um, their, for their, their needs. Uh, and in uh, the Israelites, to... to Make sure they could avoid sinning by misusing God's personal name. They would call him Abba, which, of course, is Father. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, on that night, he cried out. What did he cry out? Abba, Father, right? As he's feeling the weight of the sin of the world coming upon him. So, our Father. And then the, this next part, who is in heaven? And this is very important. We, we grasp this. And, and as you pray, these are these kind of things you could begin to fill in more, more blanks. He's in heaven. God is enthroned in heaven. What does that mean? Just consider that he's not dependent upon this earth. He's not created. We depend on this earth, right? We get our food, our water, our life, our, you know, all these things. He is totally dis, dis, uh, un... un uh, Independent or um, of this of this world. Secondly, that he transcends creation. Every any creator is always outside in, and uh, of his creation. The, the one the the, the 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 company that built these chairs, the chair company, they exist whether these chairs continue to exist or not, right? Um, and so on and so forth. But also, he exists as the self-existing one. Is anybody here self-existing? None of us are. But he is. So what is that? So you're painting a picture in your mind about what kind of God he is that you're praying to, that he rules over all kingdoms, rulers and spiritual forces, that there's nobody who can can get something up on him. Amen. Uh, And Psalm 11, verse four says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. and And he goes on farther that. This is the one we're praying for. This is like our introductory, the salutation for our Father who is in heaven. That's who we're calling to. And this naturally, you could say logically, leads us into the first petition, which is to hallowed be your name. And we know it's not just this name. The name talks about your character, right? Your reputation. Um, when people, you just think of, of, of people that are well-known, say their name and what, what goes on in your mind, your back, back of your mind. You're thinking about what kind of person they are, right? Their name is actually the identifier of, who the, of, of what kind of person they are, what they've done, and so on. So we, they want God's reputation and character in this region to be hallowed by everyone, right? And so 
this, what this is, this is really a prayer where, um, like I put it right here, this, this is a prayer that God would, would manifest his power and his holiness among us so that all people will see, hear, and know that he is God. That God is good, that he's powerful, he's holy, and then the people would hollow him as the only God. Amen? I mean, I just want to dwell here. I, I just, I, this is so important. That God's going to make his name holy. Look at, here's an example of this a very thing. Um, Isaiah 29, 22 to 20, 24. Um, this says, Therefore, this is what the Lord who redeemed Abraham says to the descendants of Jacob. No longer will Jacob be ashamed. No longer will their faces grow pale. When they see among them their children, the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Then those who are wayward in spirit will gain understanding and those who complain will accept instruction. This is what you're praying for when you say, hallowed be your name. God, would you move in such a way that it's without a doubt that who you are and people can't help but miss it and begin to, to stand in awe of God and begin to, to come to him. Another, another one is, um, in, this is Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple, the, 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 the version in 1 Kings. The other one is Second Chronicles uh, 6 and 7. Um, this is Solomon praying. And he says, as for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of what? Because of your name. They've heard about your great name, his hallowed name, right? For they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. And when they come and pray toward this temple, then then he says, hear from heaven. Your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all peoples of the earth may know that you know your name and fear you as do your people Israel and may, uh, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. You see what, this is what we're asking for. This is, this is the, the prayer that's going on when we say hallowed be your name. A great example of when uh, it happened in a little different way is Acts 19. Uh, the seven sons of Sceva uh, were trying to uh, capitalize on this casting out demons. You know the story, right? And, and um, they, they were going around uh, in this area. Now, God, now God had been moving in, in, in the region uh, of Asia where Ephesus is and the churches of, of the Re- Revelation 2 and 3. And they were going around saying, In the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, be gone. And these demons were, were being cast out. Until they came to this one person. And I believe, the I, I, Bible, Bible shows that there's a rank among uh, demons, just like there are rankings among angels. God is a God of order, right? And, um, and I believe that what happened is, uh, up until that, this particular day, they'd been coming in and driving out low-level demons. But they found one who had taken, there are probably multiple ones in this one. Uh, and, and, of course, what happened is, the demon speaks out of the demon-possessed man and says, Well, Jesus we know, and we've heard about Paul, but who are you? And the Bible says this one man rose up and, and attacked them and beat them so bad they ran out of the room. It says, bloodied and naked. But this was the actual thing. It says, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. I believe that's a prayer we could pray. 
And that's when we're saying, hallowed be your name. God, would you move in such a way that your name will be held in high high honor? That in this area right here, that God would move in such a way right here among us, among our neighbors and our friends, in such a powerful way that, that they will stop using Jesus' name as a cuss word. Whether they follow Jesus or not, they've just seen a manifestation. They recognize, you know, demons have to flee and all this stuff happens in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, Jesus' name is hallowed. This is what we're praying for. Can you pray for that, right? Okay. All right. Your kingdom come. I won't spend as much time on the, on the rest. We'll be done shortly here. Um, uh, your kingdom come. At present, uh, the kingdom of God works through the church in the world, right? Uh, a world that's in rebellion against God, but the church is not the kingdom. It's very important we understand that. And we could, there's, there is some teaching about the ecclesia and, and these things that you've got to be careful about, um, lead you into things. We don't have time for that. So, but it's like this. When, when somebody is saved, the kingdom of God has just been demonstrated in somebody's life. Where God has, there's been an awakening in their, in their heart and they, and they have come to Christ. Their sins have been washed away in their, their new creation. When somebody is healed in Jesus' name, there's a, there, here's a, a glimpse of the kingdom of God. When someone is, is delivered and, ca- and demons are cast out, uh, or people's lives are, are dramatically changed from, from the, the destructive way they were going into new life. These are all glimpses of the kingdom of God. And so, but our, this prayer is not just for any more glimpses. We want your kingdom to come. Amen? The, may your, this messianic era that's been promised, when it, may it come. And the next one, may, petition three, will, that your will would be done as, on earth as it is in heaven. Obviously, God's will is not being done on earth. And I, I don't have the... Well, I'm already out of time, but, but I don't have time to, to speak about this thing, this false... Statement that says, "Well, everything happens for a reason." I think you need to remove that from your vocabulary, because that is about fate. That is nothing about faith. It's about fate. That everything happens for a reason. That means you have no choice, and that God, some big being, has has said, "This is going to happen in your life. You have no choice. It's fate. Everything happens for a reason." No. Everything, for whatever happens, we put it in, in the hands of God, and God will always make it turn from bad to good. Amen? Uh, for our good. I don't know, again, I just, like I said, I said I didn't have time, and I took it anyways. Okay. But ultimately, this is the thing about submission. We're saying, you know, again, we know our God. God knows what we need before we ask Him. In fact, He knows better what we need than we do. Right? And so, this, this is also a submission to God... I, I lay before you my needs, but, but it's your will I want done, not mine. Just like Jesus in the garden when he said, not my will, uh, but yours be done. And then Isaiah, he comes, he, that, the, the throne room uh, thing where he hears God says, who shall we send? And Isaiah speaks up, here I am, send me. This whole idea of, of submission. Um, and um, anyways, I'm trying to just move along here. Um, petition four is give us today our daily bread. This is, this is a phenomenal one. Uh, this word daily is the Greek word espousia, no, epiusa, all right? Um, and it actually means following or next. It, it has the context of tomorrow's bread. 
You're saying, we're asking, give us tomorrow's bread. Um, you know, uh, Jesus never said for us to not ask for our needs. He, uh, he, he did say, don't worry about that, right? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things be added to you and, and stuff. And Philippians uh, uh, 4, 6 and 7, don't be anxious, but by prayer and petition, let, like the scripture you all know. But, and we, we can be, we, we don't have to be anxious. Why? Because our father, what? He already knows what we need, right? So we don't have to. But there's something going out, something, something else going on here. We're asking God to bring the Messianic era into these first fruits. In other words, it's this. These, these first three petitions have been about, um, you know, that his name would be hallowed, his kingdom would come, and his will would be done. His purpose would be accomplished. Right, and it sounds like oh, now we're shifting to my needs, but we're not, not really. Um, and let me just write this. Let me just read this here. Um, the first three petitions uh, understood as the coming of the messianic era, and so when we prayed, "Hallowed be the name," etc., like I said, that God's name will be hallowed and sanctified among the nations and the kingdoms. This fourth petition, give us. I, this day our daily bread seems to shift it, but it's not so that the unusual term, this is an unusual Greek term here put together. Um, he says, it, it means the bread of tomorrow. It alludes to the banquet of the Messianic era. And so by asking God to, to give us the bread of tomorrow, we're not merely asking for our daily provision. Instead, we are asking him to provide us with a foretaste of that feast on the, on the, the wedding feast uh, of the Lamb. We need some right now. Last weekend, Tiff, uh, TJ and Kaylee went to a bridal thing. What do they call that? A, a bridal sh- show, right. And all these providers were there. And, and something they got to do was taste, have a sample of the wedding feast uh, that they would make. And there are some marvelous things. And this is what we're asking. And this is what we need. God, I, I'm looking forward to that. But, but we are in such a state right now. God, we need, give us some bread, uh, some of the bread of tomorrow. I need that right now. You might need that in your family, in a situation, um, in, the, in the same the same idea that that goodness of the of 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 tomorrow's bread, the goodness of redemption, uh, which uh, is ultimately fulfilled there on on the, at the wedding banquet of the Lamb. Just going here, uh, petition five: Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do I need to make much point on that? Um, this whole, it's a measure for measure. Matthew 18 is that the story of uh, the servant owed his master millions. No way he could pay it off. And he begged for mercy. God, for, his master forgave him. And of course, you know, the servant went out and he finds a fellow servant who owes him maybe a hundred bucks proportionally. And he, and his, that servant begs the other servant, oh, give me time, have mercy on me. And, and he has no mercy on him, throws him in, in, a, in a debtor's jail until he could pay, pay it. The others hear about that, go to the, go to the servant's master, tell him. The master co- uh, brings him back, and it says, in anger his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father would teach each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. There's, 
There couldn't be more said on that except this idea that you will be, you, God will forgive you to the degree you have forgiven other people. God have mercy on us. Amen? Um, uh, and so this I measure, the, this concept of measure for measure. Uh, and uh, we could, John, uh, Matthew 7 talks more about that uh, as well. Petition 6, lead us not into temptation. That first phrase. Um, obviously, in John, in, in James 1, we know that God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't bring us into temptation. So what, what are you really asking? Uh, the other way to really put it, this idea that this word temptation really means adversity, affliction, or trouble. Um, and so you're really asking, don't bring us to this time of trial. Very similar to a Jewish evening prayer where they pray, do not let us fail when we're tested. So lead us down in temptation is really more about God. You know, don't, don't bring us into these times of, of unnecessary testing. And the second half takes care of when you do, but deliver us from evil. This idea of evil being the annoyances, the hardships, the pain and trouble and that kind of stuff. And so you're saying that, um, uh, well, and we know that Jesus says that, um, I've told you these things so that in me you have peace. This world you can have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And likewise, in Romans 8, um, if God is for us, who can be against us? Um, and, and these scriptures, you know, that um, you are from God um, and you have overcome the, the, the people of this world because he who, the one who's in you is greater than he's in the world. Correct? Amen. And 1 Peter 5, 4, everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. This is what the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen? All right. So this whole idea of delivering us from evil, though, uh, is this idea that when trouble or hardship comes, there's a way out. And I'm going to look to you and trust you for that. Um, and... Um, uh, because he, he, he can bring us through. Amen. And so just in closing, uh, Ian Bounds makes this. He says, how simple and childlike he talks about this prayer. He says, no one has ever approached in, in composition a prayer so simple in his petitions and yet so comprehensive in all his requests. A great, a great uh, element on that. It can serve both as a framework to our prayer as well as just a prayer itself um, as disciples of our rabbi. Amen. And, and even more so, just this whole idea that this sign that we have over the entrance that says what? Father already knows what I need, right? Before I ask him. So prayer is not, is so, is not just so we could have a time of, of getting our needs met or explaining our problems or, or, or get out of trouble. Um, but as, as uh, this one author says, that while we ordinarily... Um, Bring our own needs to God in prayer, right? That's usually how we do it. And then we think about God, right? That our master, the Jesus himself, reverses the order. That when we pray, we should first come to God. Your name, it's about your kingdom, it's about your will. And, and then we come to give us this day, forgive us, deliver us. And then in true worship, um, uh, the Father must be all and, and uh, in all and, and over all. And it goes on like this. And, and, and hear this. The sooner I learn to forget myself into the desire that he may be glorified, the richer will be the blessing uh, uh, that prayer will bring into my, my life. 
That's worth writing down. The sooner I learn to forget myself in, in the desire that he would be glorified, the richer will be the blessing or will the blessing be that prayer will bring to myself. And this is another one that, that would be worthy of writing. No one ever loses by what he sacrifices to the Father. In fact, I want to repeat it. No one ever loses by what he sacrifices to the Father. The sooner I learn to forget myself and the desire that he may be glorified, the richer will, will the blessing be that prayer will bring into my life. So, Lord, teach us to pray that way. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Can you, can you see that? I've tried to make it as much as possible bold. This is a kind of a version of the Lord's Prayer as we go out that kind of fills in some of these blanks. And so hopefully you can read it. And let's, <clears throat> let's just, but let's, really, um, let's pray. Go read all the words together, right? Our Father of all believers who is in heaven, whoever exists independent of his creation, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day the bread of tomorrow and forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into times of trials and testings, but then deliver us from them when they come. For it is your kingdom and your power and who alone deserves all the glory forever and always. Amen. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you today that we would make this the, the, the theme of our prayers. That you know, we know, you know what we need, Lord, that we would forget our, ourselves in, uh, that our greatest desire that you would be glorified, knowing that you do love us, you do care for us, and you are there to meet every single need, even the ones we don't realize we have yet. And that as we trust you, God, for that, and we, we let you be the provider, that, that's like our benefit package. You said you'll take care of the benefit package. You said for us to be about your work, giving our lives for your purposes and for your glory, God. That people will see the manifestation of your power, of your goodness and your greatness, your, 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 your power that is over all other supposed powers in this world. That they would see you, God, in my life. They would see you in your church, in, among my, my brothers. They will see you working, God, in our community, in my neighbor's lives, in my family's lives. They see you moving in areas of, of government and, and policies and, and businesses and, and places, God. That they will see you and be no question that you are God and will stand in awe of you and Jesus' name will be hallowed among those who even don't even follow you. Yeah, this is what we ask for, Lord. And, uh, and that, God, that, that our lives would be so set that our fellowship with one another and with believers in this area would be so focused in this way, God, that you would truly be pleased with your church and, and visit and fill your temple and get glory out of us uh, for your glory, for the reviving of your church, 
for the salvation of the lost, the, the, the delivering of the addicted and the, those bound in bondage, and uh, that truth might trample on the lies that are out there and light just make the darkness run with its tail between its, its, its legs, Lord. For the glory of God and for the sake of our children and our grandchildren's generation, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Well, I I hope that um, that uh, especially that about prayer this helps to just encourage you to be able to find that place where prayer becomes something like I just can't wait to get and be with Jesus. And it's not about how how much have you prayed. It's just I get to just go be with Jesus, and you find you're praying because you're with Him. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, warm day. Amen.